I will be talking to you this morning. Second Peter chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse 3. I got a couple of things I want to share with you before we read, so don't stand just yet. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. <clears throat> I guess this started last Sunday. Uh, Kevin and I had a brief discussion, conversation, um, and it kind of got me to thinking and it brought me to a realization that, hey, I'm not the only one. Um, and then as the week went on, it kind of got deeper and deeper as uh, my brother stopped by my work uh, Friday evening and he and I sat on the tailgate of my work truck, the bumper of my work truck for probably an hour or so um, having discussion and, and just having conversation. And, and to be honest with you, it turned into a time that I've been in. And then yesterday I'm in the wood shop minding my own business and another brother shows up just out of the blue, and if I don't take the time to tell him the importance of the conversation that we had yesterday, Mr. G, he'd never know the impact. Now, I already had at that point with him and Thomas, I already had my mind was already set where we would be this morning, and God had already spoke to me through the Word. But the conversations that I had Friday and Saturday with two other men like-minded made me realize how important this is. Not because of them and where they are, because the conversation brought out where I am. And the struggles I'm having during this time. That I knew were there, but like Kevin said this morning, sometimes we just kind of look at those things that God brings to the top and go, man, there it is. And we just keep going. And there's no repentance and there's no correction. And there's danger in that. There's big danger in that for us as Christians. When we recognize that there's an issue present and we choose not to do anything about it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's like the man that walks in front of the looking glass and notices something's wrong and don't do anything about it. In other words, if you get up and you look in the mirror and you see something needs to be corrected and you don't do anything about it. Nobody does that. It's the same way when we look into the mirror of God's Word, when we see things that are wrong, it's not wrong with the mirror. <laughs> it's wrong here. This needs to be changed. So at this morning as we go through this, I'm going to talk to you from a familiar place. <clears throat> Over the last few years, Kevin has done a message, a series actually, on spiritual growth chart. And I think Leanne actually made a spiritual growth from, um, ruler, measuring stick, that's sitting over there in the church. I've seen it this morning. And he went through the things that we add to and how we add to and what each one of them are. I'm not going there this morning. That's already available. And, and I would never try to come in here and, and uh, uh, well, I lost my train of thought. Well, it's a simple word too, Miss Patty. It ought to be easy for a smart guy like me. Improve. I would never try to come in here and improve on something he's already done. So where God drew me to in this same scripture is a little bit of a different place. 
But I wanted to tell you and remind you that those are available and they are online and they are easy to find. And if you're unfamiliar with that series on spiritual growth, I encourage you to go look those up. They're, they're awesome messages. You can, you can find them. Me and Kevin are um, YouTube sensations. You can go to YouTube and put either one of our name in and all our stuff comes up. We're not really sensations. <laughs> well, at least he's not. <laughs> so this morning we'll be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse 3 and we'll see how far we go. <clears throat> His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promise, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. For this reason... For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into eternal, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Again, Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for the opportunity that You have given me to stand before this body of believers and share this Word. Again, Father, I pray that You would just lock up my opinions and allow Your words to come from my mouth. That I'll only be a vessel to deliver the message that You desire to be delivered. I thank You. I love You. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, the spiritual growth chart. It would do us all well to be familiar with the eight ingredients of spiritual growth that we've just been given in 2 Peter. They are faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brother affection, brotherly affection, and love. Those eight things we as Christians 
should be familiar with. It's kind of like the fruits of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We should, as Christians, we should know those. We should be familiar with that. These, this list is the same way because look at the promises surrounding this list. Look at what we're told about the importance of this list of characteristics that you and I need to have. Look at this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given each one of us everything we need as it pertains to life and godliness. As it pertains to Corona, God has given us everything we need. And look where it abounds at. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. It's knowledge. It's the knowledge of Christ. It's the knowledge of our Heavenly Father. It's knowledge that makes it possible for you and I to get through anything that pertains to life and godliness. In other words, all you need to live a godly life has been supplied by your Father. Everything you need, all the knowledge you need is available to you. But here's what happens. This is the craziest time I've ever seen in my life. I, I, don't, I ain't but 43, but I'm telling you, I ain't never seen anything that I couldn't do the research and get some facts and make good decisions about it. This stuff going on right now, I ain't got a clue. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. I don't know what's real. I mean, there's everything. Listen, if right now we stood up and, and we decided we're just going to say Corona and let whoever wants to come up here to the microphone and tell us what we think, tell us what they think about it. We're going to have everything from the guy who thinks it's all a conspiracy and it's all the government all the way up to the, the most deadliest thing we've ever seen and everything in between. And you know what? Every one of them will have the evidence to support their ideal. I know. I've looked them up. I've talked to them and researched it. It's crazy. But here's what I do know. No matter what we're looking at, no matter how confusing it is, God is still God. And there's no reason for any of us to live in fear. You can't outrun death. Every, if Corona don't get you, something else will. It's going to happen. Ten out of ten. I'm a stats guy. I like stats. Listen to me. Ten out of ten people. That's a hundred percent no matter how you cut it. 10 out of 10 people die. It's going to happen. And you know what? Even if you have some tragic thing and God heals you from it, you know what will happen somewhere down the line anyway? You know the story of Lazarus? Y'all remember Lazarus? And Jesus called him. You know what eventually happened to Lazarus? He died. Everybody experiences it. So this ain't about trying to outrun death. This ain't about, listen, the time we're in, we've still got to trust God above anything else you can look up. Now I'll tell you because I looked, Corona ain't listed in Scripture. 
So if you go to the back and try to look up Corona to get your answers, you're going to be let down. But what is in there is all of these guides and all of these steps and all of these promises and all of these things that assure us that no matter what we're looking for, God is still God. That's number one. Don't forget that. Ever. Now, the other part of this is, this says as long as, look here in verse, let me find it, verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. You see that? If these qualities are yours, these eight things that I told you we should be familiar with, if these are yours and increasing, You get that part, right? You understand that it's not just enough to look at this list and go, oh, I've got all of those things. They've got to be increasing. You've got to be adding to. There's got to be a process of growth taking place. You know what's not taking place in 99% of all Christians right now during this time? is spiritual growth. It's not happening. Listen to me, guys. An hour and a half, two hours on Sunday morning is not enough. It's not. There's nothing I can say. There's no scripture I can read you for that. There's nothing Kevin can do. There's nothing Chris and and Dale and all of them can sing that makes an hour and a half good enough to get you to next week, much less to last you from week two weeks at a time for some people. Three weeks once or twice here and there every once in a while. It's not enough. This ain't enough. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. The only way you're going to get sharper spiritually is to be with iron. We ain't getting it enough. And I know we're not getting it enough. I know we're not because I see the downturn in my walk. I see the struggle in my prayer life. I see the struggle in my study time. If it's happening to me, I know I'm not the only one. And I know, as a matter of fact, it's probably multiplied. You need these things. They need to be increasing. Somehow, some way, you have got to find a way to keep yourself going spiritually. Because what's going to happen is we're going to come out the other side of this thing and look around and go, where'd they go? Y'all ever watch National Geographic? You ever watch when, let's just pick an animal, the cheetah is hunting. Now the cheetah's fast. Pretty sleek. But you know what's the first thing he does when he's going after prey? After he's found the herd of, let's say, antelope. He's hungry for antelope. Not cantaloupe like Vance is growing, but antelope. The animal, antelope. He's after one of them. You know what he does? He finds him a herd of them. And he starts circling that herd. And you know what he does? He starts separating them. Right? And he starts picking out the ones that are the weakest. Do you know the Bible describes Satan like a lion? Right? And what's he doing? 
devouring. You know how he does it? He circles, he divides, and he gets the weak first. You know that's going to happen to us as Christians, right? You know that Satan is circling. You know right now we are separated. Right now we have plenty of our flock that we do not have physical contact with. Right? They're separated. And if they're not getting fed spiritually, they're getting weak. And you know what happens next, right? You've seen National Geographic with the leopard sitting up in the tree with the little baby gazelle. Ripping it and tearing it. We're going to be destroyed. It's what's going to happen. We've been separated. Already we've been separated. And if you're not keeping yourself strong during this time of separation, look, this is better than videos, but it still ain't optimum. And it still ain't enough. But we're having to walk this tightrope and doing the best we can do as leaders. We see the problem. We see the issue. I promise you we do. But trying to make wise decisions that's best for everybody. It's tough. But it scares us to death to know that if I'm struggling, if Brother Kevin's struggling, we know everybody is. And we know that you're getting circled and we know that He's separating you out. And we know that He's going to find the weak. But look at this. Here, here's what Scripture tells us. Look at this. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, don't miss that part. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. So if they're not yours or they're not increasing, what does that mean? Exactly the opposite. You're unfruitful and ineffective. Have you read what happens to the unfruitful branches? Get thrown in the fire. Listen, this is a scary time for us. And I'm not talking about in fear of corona. I'm talking about in fear of lack of spiritual growth. I'm talking about our prayer lives suffer during this time. I'm talking about our study lives suffer during this time. I'm talking about the spiritual well-being of our children suffer at this time. Because an hour and a half, two hours on Sunday morning ain't enough. And it'll never be enough. One of the biggest things we had going before all this started was our small groups and the relationships that were being built and the bonds that were being formed. And we've seen the actions of it. As pastors, we've seen the positivity coming out of small groups and how people were sticking together. And when one person got down, because they had relationships, that person wasn't alone. You couldn't separate them. You see that? Since we ain't doing that, where are you getting it? Newsflash, you ain't. I ain't. We ain't. And we're suffering. And let me tell you something else about all this. This right here, this is convenient. This is convenient. And we are convenient-based people. 
We like convenience. If you don't believe that, go ask Ralph. He works for a company who has built, I won't say empire, but a pretty good business off of selling you and I convenience. We'll pay for it. Right? It may cost a few dollars more, but we're okay with that because it was convenient. Right? Sundrops are cheaper by the six-pack at Walmart than they are already cold at Ralph's store in the cooler. But you know where we're going to buy them? You know why? It's convenient. You know what this is? An hour and a half on Sunday morning, don't bother me on Wednesday, don't talk to me about Sunday school in small groups. You know what this is right here? It's convenient. And you know what? We buying it. Every one of us. We like it. We do. Hey, get here about 10.30, slide in, listen to Brother Nick, listen to Brother Kevin, sing a couple songs, out of here by 12, 12.30. It's drive-through church. It's convenient. And the scary part is, we like it. It's not enough. It's not enough. We're doing all we can do. We really are. We're trying. But you've got to do something too because if you have these qualities and are increasing, they'll keep you from being unaffected and unfruitful. But if you don't have them or they're not increasing, you're going to be unfruitful and ineffective. Look at the rest of this. Ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Back over here, what did we say was that, that, um, that He gave us to endure whatever pertains to life and godliness? What He gives us to live a godly life is knowledge. Alright, where did we, where are we going to be in unfruitful and ineffective if we're not growing? Knowledge. So you know what that means? You ain't going to have enough knowledge to survive. You're not going to make it through this life with godliness without knowledge. Keep going. Therefore, uh, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Whoever lacks these qualities, there's eight of them, whoever lacks these, whoever's not increasing in these, is so nearsighted, he is blind. And listen, we're not talking about the unchurched because it says that he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. We're talking about Christian people. And we're talking about the fact that you can get to the point that you can't even see the danger that is in front of you. I believe we're in one of those times right now that it is so comfortable and it is so convenient. We like it so much that we don't even realize the destruction spiritually that's taking place in our lives. We don't see it. We don't get it. We're blinded to it. We've gotten so nearsighted that we can't see the fact that these things are not increasing in us and we are ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Meaning we're not going to have what it takes to lead and live a godly life. We ain't going to have it. We're missing it. You know what happens to things, whether they be... Uh, 
skills or learned behaviors or muscles or whatever, when you don't use them, you don't exercise them. Do you know what happened? You ever had a cast? When I was a kid, I was prone to getting hurt. I mean, I, I tried out insurance from, from the time, I see, my first stitches was right at my first birthday, and I didn't quit till I was about 13, 14 years old. From broke noses, broke arms, broke legs, I got scars from stitches in, in my arm where I could see my bone when I looked at it. I got stitches in my hand where I put them through a glass window. I had stitches in my... I mean, I, I've done it. And one of the craziest things is when I had my arm broke, we were playing kill the man with the ball. Guess who had the ball? Right. And they killed me and I landed on a rock and the rock landed... Is this arm. And a rock, I landed on a rock. I was on the playground at school and I landed on a rock and it bow-shaped my arm. I mean, I stood up and went, boy, that hurt. And when I held my arm up, it, it looked like this. And I thought, boy, that ain't right. So I go up to the teacher and go... There's something wrong. And of course she, yeah, and we go to the office. So they put my arm in a cast for six, eight weeks, whatever it was. They said it, put it in a cast. You walk around, people sign it and all that stuff, you know, and they get to eat you and you sticking pencils down in there and everybody pads, oh, you'll get it in something. And all that stuff. Y'all remember all that, right? And at the end of the six, eight weeks, you go and you have that cut off. And the first thing you notice is the smell. That's funk right there, baby, to a whole new level. The second thing you notice is the fact that now this arm is a lot smaller than this one. Because you've been walking around and it hasn't, you ain't been able to use it, right? You ain't been able to work it. So what's happened to those muscles? They've drawn up, right? They've gotten smaller. As a matter of fact, when they took that cast off, I remember thinking, man, I mean, I can almost see my bones. Like the skeletal shape of my arm. You realize as spiritual beings, that's a problem as well. In other words, you may be real good at hospitality. Maybe God has gifted you in that. But if you sit around here for six, eight months at a time and don't use it, you know what happens? You may be a prayer warrior. I mean, one of the people that we call every time a prayer needs to be said. But if you sit around here for six, eight months and you don't use it, listen, this ain't just dangerous times for you individually, spiritually. It's dangerous times for your church, the body. Because I'm telling you, we're going to come to the other side of this thing one of these days and we're going to go, where did they go? Now whether it'll be five or whether it'll be 105, I don't know. But I'm telling you, somebody's getting devoured. It's happening. And it's happening because we don't pour enough into ourselves. We don't understand the importance of pouring into me spiritually. We don't understand the importance of me having a conversation from time to time with somebody that can sharpen me. I got to have two of those this week. Very fortunate. Come at a great time. And, I, and some things come out of me. Now I wasn't cussing or slandering or none of that. I want y'all to take it wrong. But I said some things that when the conversation was over, I went, you know what? That shouldn't exist in me. Then I have a choice. I can go, well, it's there. Or I can repent and begin to fight it and to go to war with self and go, self, you're not coming back up in here. 
I got to get back to speed feeding my spiritual self and quit feeding my fleshly self so much. Hey, this has been an enjoyable time at some extent. Do you know how much time I've spent in the wood shop? <sighs> Without all that counseling and having to be at church on uh, Wednesday nights and no small group on Monday nights. Hey, I've made a whole bunch of cool stuff. But you know what good it has done me? Spiritually? See, we got to make adjustments and we got to realize what's real and what's the most important things. And the most important things is that we be fruitful and effective in the knowledge of Christ. We've got to be. And sometimes it's my responsibility to make sure these two ain't slipping spiritually. And I can assure you, over the last few weeks, I failed them. I failed them in a, in a bad way. As a matter of fact, I failed some of y'all. You know why? Because this is more convenient. It's comfortable. So it's a little warm in here. Hey, what's it going to be? An hour? We'll be out. And don't have to worry about it no more than next Sunday. It's not a good place for us as Christians. It's not safe for us to stay here very long. It's not. And it's especially not safe if you're not getting something somewhere else. You've got to be spending time in the Word. You've got to be spending time in prayer. You've got to be spending time with your family spiritually. If not, I'm afraid the number that get devoured is going to be higher than what we project. I'm almost done. Verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Corona can't take you out spiritually if you have these qualities and they're increasing. Don't forget that part. You've got to add to. Remember, I think Kevin's description when he talked about the growth chart is when you're a kid and they take you to the doctor. And you go annually for checkups. I think it's yearly checkups. And they're looking for certain things. And the main thing they're looking for is that you have grown. And if you haven't grown, if you come back in a year to that doctor and there's been no growth, the doctor's going to go, we've got a problem. Something's wrong. It's not normal for you to go to year and not grow. Listen to me, people. Spiritually, it's not normal for you to go a year and not grow. It's not acceptable. You can't wake up ten years from now and be the same place spiritually that you sit today. That's not healthy. It's not okay. You've got to be growing. There has to be some forward movement, some forward progress. It's not enough just to be in attendance. It's not enough just to have the qualities. They've got to be increasing. And in a time like this, that's tough. Listen to me. Correcting your prayer life is not going to come natural to you. 
Correcting your study life is not going to come natural to you because what you're having to overcome is your flesh. Your flesh says the TV's better. Your flesh says, oh, just a game or two on whatever. Ain't going to hurt nothing. I'm going to have to go back to that time. I've told you all this before, but at one time I quit doing it and I can tell it. My, my nightstand's right beside my, my chair where I sit, my couch where I sit. And my Bible sits on that, I call it a nightstand, end table. Sorry. That bothered my wife that I called it a nightstand, I promise you. And listen, I started making furniture. I should know the difference, right? So on my end table, my Bible sits there. And a lot of times stuff gets placed on top of it. Like my phone, I'll come in and unload my pockets. Some of the things I keep in my pockets, I take them out right there. My bad habit I put on there and my, my phone will go on there. And a lot of times my phone would end up on top of my Bible. And I got to noticing that after I'd go get cleaned up and get my shower and get my bed clothes on, I'd come in there and kick back in that chair or on that couch. I'd kick my feet up and I'd just reach over and grab the first thing my hand hit, which would be my phone. Now, we don't have internet service at my house. I don't even have phone service. But I got a few little games on there that don't require no service, and I just sit there, and the next thing I know, it's 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I go, and I've spent two, two and a half hours playing some stupid game that don't mean nothing to nobody. It, I was just killing time. So what I did was is I, I started coming in, and if my phone was going to get laid there, I would lay it down and put my Bible on top of my phone. And then whenever I reached, I'd have to pick up my Bible to get my phone. I'd go, I remember why I'd done that. And then I'd look up and I'd burnt two, two and a half hours with something that matters. Now, I, I told you, I've gotten away from that. I'm fixing, it's fixing to go back to that way. Because I've, I've realized over the last few days that it's a, it's a big issue. Well, it's little things. It's little things. Most everybody in here has a catch-all. You have a place that when you come in the door, whatever's in your hand, that's where you lay it. Whether it's for a week or it's for 30 minutes, you have a catch-all and you lay it there. For some people, that catch-all catches your Bible when you come in from church and you pick it up on your way back out next Sunday. Listen to me, Christians. That's not healthy. You're going to get devoured. You're separated. And if you ain't taking it in, you're getting weaker. And eventually, you're going to be the target. It's not safe. It's not okay. Don't let the convenience and the comfort of what we're doing have this kind of toll on you spiritually. I get it. There's precautions that need to be taken. Hey, we're doing everything we can to do that. We really are. Hey, we've got dead gum Clorox wipes in there so when you go in there and tinkle or whatever you do, you can wipe everything down behind you. We're doing all we can do. We've got dead gum gallons of uh, squirt stuff sitting around where you can just spray down and lather up. I mean, we're doing all we can do, but listen, this ain't enough. An hour and a half, two hours on Sunday morning is not enough. I know there's precautions that have to be taken. We're doing our best to take them. We really are. But I'm more concerned about your spiritual health and you ain't doing good.
And I know you ain't doing good because I ain't doing good. Hard time. I can't tell you the facts about what's going on. I ain't got a clue. I'm so dead gum confused at this point, I quit guessing. I don't know. If you ask me today what I think about it, it'll probably be different than what I think about it tomorrow. It changes. I don't know. But here's what I know. God is still God. And your spiritual health is way more important than your physical health. Every one of us is going to die. And you better be ready. Look at, here's the final thing and I'm done. Look at this, verse 11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see that? For in this way, if you're, if you're increasing, if you're effective in knowledge, if you're fruitful in knowledge, that comes from the increasing, who cares if you die? <laughs> Absence from the body, it's presence with the Lord. We're all going to die of something, somehow, some way, every one of us. Ten out of ten. It's a guarantee. You can bet on it. I wouldn't, but you can. Ten out of ten. And when that day comes, your spiritual health is going to matter more than it ever has. God's given you everything that you need pertaining to life and godliness. You have all, all the knowledge you need is available to you if you'll pursue it. And you can live a godly life in this time. But you've got to pursue it. And even more so now than ever before because we're separated and this ain't enough. I'm telling you it ain't. I hope, you, I hope you take to heart what's been said. I really do. I hope you understand that I'm not in here trying to preach hell's fire and brimstone. I'm not trying to scare you into something. I'm trying to be honest with you. And the honest, most honest thing I can tell you right now, this ain't safe. We can't stay here long. Especially if you ain't going to make some effort at the house. Because what you're getting in here, hour and a half, two hours, ain't enough. It ain't enough to get you to next Sunday. You already forgot by Saturday. So it certainly ain't enough to show you increase. It's not enough. You've got to do more. You've got to. And in the end, you are responsible for you. I'll stand before God and give an account for what I did and did not do. You'll stand before God and give an account for what you did and did not do. Now because of my position... I know there's going to be some extra weight to that and there's a little bit more to it than just that. But ultimately, everybody's responsible for themselves. In other words, you won't be able to stand before God and when He says, I never knew you, go, well, Brother Nick said you did. It's going to be on you. Dale, where you at, brother? <clears throat> We're going to sing a couple of songs. I want to encourage you to self-evaluate. There was one part of the conversation that me and G had yesterday um, that really struck with me. We got to talking about um, self-evaluation. You know, looking at ourselves and seeing where we stand and recognize there's an issue and then addressing that issue, whatever it is. And I realized that's one of the areas I've slopped at. Not at evaluating. I, I evaluate pretty regularly. Because... 
<clears throat> Scripture says the path is narrow. So I self-evaluate enough to make sure that I'm on that path. Because He says in His Word, few will make it. But many will find the wide path and the wide gate of destruction. So I, I'm pretty self-aware. But here's my problem. My problem has been lately is I self-evaluate and I see these things and I walk away from the looking glass without changing anything. That's not acceptable. So I pray that you'll self-evaluate this morning and don't just point at the problem and go, there it is. Start a war on that dude. Get rid of it. Start fighting it. Stop tolerating it. Stop accepting it. Just because it's more convenient. 